Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Time for how to when we address the sorts of decisions we don't take every day. Today, it's how to become an investor. We're joined by Paul Somerville from Somerville Advisory Markets. Paul, good afternoon. Good morning. Hi. Uh, uh, So it's it's hard to know where to start, really. But like, let's start with somebody who knows zero about this and has, say, 10 grand. Yeah, absolutely. It's very easy to start. I mean... There's an easy way to to invest and to do it. And then you have got to think about should you be doing it? So hopefully we'll just talk about how you do it first of all. Obviously, if you want to invest, you need to have a stockbroker. That's where you start. And that's the first minefield for all Irish people because we have a traditional base of Irish stockbrokers here. And for many years, you know, the fees have been very high and they're hard to approach and stuff like that. As technology has improved around the world, there's much easier ways online brokers. I mean, we would have always advised people to go to the UK, for an example, before Brexit because they're online Services very, very cheap, maybe 80, 90% cheaper than Irish stockbrokers. Giving you the same services, really good IT systems. And so give us an idea what, what when, so the, the overpriced charging, how much would that be? Well, for an example, you know, now I'm going back a few years now before Brexit, but, you know, they might charge you a quarter of a percent to, to buy some shares here, whereas there would be less than 10 basis points, maybe five basis points. So that would be the difference. Now it's even cheaper, by the way. But unfortunately for Irish people is we can't go to those UK brokers at the moment because they won't take Irish clients because of Brexit. Right. But there is other online uh, brokers that are moving into the Irish market. You know, some of the big American firms, I won't name them, but there's one big American firm just opened an Irish office, for an example. Very cheap fees. And there's some European brokers. So yeah. what I'm trying to say Do you is, mean Revolut? Because no, I've noticed that on Revolut. Yeah, there's Revolut, thing. Re, yeah, Revolut is absolutely separate. And that's what I was going to talk about again for, for younger okay. people. Because basically, you know, when you start to invest, you've got to think about how you're going to do it and what you're going to do. So first of all, there's discretionary investing. Then there's advisory investing. And then there's execution only. Now, execution only means you're doing it yourself. Okay. Discretionary means you're handing over your money to one of the big brokers, you pay a big fee and they run your money for you. You know, so, you know, a big fund or if you don't want to do it yourself. Advisory is in the middle. You would open an account with one of the Irish stockbrokers. They would give you some advice about what to do, but the end decision would be yours. And again, the fees are very, very big. So what I would always advocate for people who, who, you know, can get some education in the market, you can actually do it yourself. It's the cheapest way to do it. And over your investing lifetime, you're going to save yourself absolutely thousands and thousands of euros. So that's called execution only. You just have some service on your phone or on your laptop. And that's with a broker. Now, just for Revolut or any of those, I won't say Revolut particularly, but there's lots of um, brokers targeting young people and saying that they're giving them free ways of investing. Okay, there's Mm. no such thing as free investing. So if you already think, wow, I can do this for free, then you're already really down the curve of education. You need to learn why they're giving you this app for free, because obviously there's costs involved. There's costs with all brokers, you know, again, you know, there's lots of hidden costs. There's lots of, uh, if you're buying shares, for an example, in an, um, you know, say you're buying Apple, the broker will have to change your money into dollars. So they charge you a whacking fee that you never see. Mm. So there's all these hidden costs uh, to look into. So it's a bit of a minefield. But the first thing you've got to do if you want to invest is you've got to have a broker. Right. OK. And so uh, the, the, but even if you just have a broker and you're telling them invest in, the, invest in X or invest in Y, do you have to do a lot of homework in the various companies? Uh, no, absolutely. So, again, it depends on your time frame. But, uh, sorry, the second thing is there's a very big difference between speculating and investing. With right. investing, okay. you know, you're talking more long term. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have patience. 
older people are much better at investing. OK, younger people, because they use their emotions so much, are really speculating. They're just pressing buttons on the phone. It became hu- all around the world during COVID. Absolutely tens of millions of new investors came to the marketplace. And I mean tens of millions. It's absolutely incredible. Because they were at home for so long, they thought they'd give this a go. But it's a really poor way to come to the uh, financial markets and to start your investment journey. Because basically what you're going to do is you're going to get your ass handed to you in the markets because you believe you're clever, but actually you don't know much and you're approaching markets markets where professionals are trading and they are obviously going to beat you at that game. So it's all about education. Right. So, okay. And so what kind of mistakes would, you know, those new investors who were just taking a punt, what well, kind of well, mistakes would they well, make? Well, a very, very simple example would be most humans uh, are emotional beings. So they trade with their emotions. So for an example, they'd be triggered by something they might see on the news. Uh, you know, if a war broke out, they'd start selling stocks. If, if you know, if there was peace, they'd start buying stocks. All these types of emotional triggers mean you've, you're making really bad entry and exit points into the marketplace. So the most important thing is that you're not trained by the seat of your pants and that you have a, an absolute long-term plan and you know what you're doing. Now, what mostly happens to people is what they do is they do it themselves for a while. They realise it's not as easy as they thought. They lose a lot of money and then they come to, say, someone like myself or someone else and try to educate themselves or do educational courses on the markets. What I would suggest is if you're going to start, start with the education first. It's going to save you an awful lot of money. Right. OK. And how much education do you need? You don't need that much education if you're thinking of long term investing. And a, a simple example would be you've got some money, you say 10 grand, say 50 grand or whatever. And you say, look, I want to invest in this for the very long term. Well, what you would do is you would look at something like ETFs because ETFs are called exchange traded funds. You buy and sell them like a share. They're exactly like a share. Should cost you the exact same amount of money to, to buy and sell them as a share. But what they are, they're baskets of things. So for an example, you could buy an ETF in European stocks and that would be the 50 biggest European stocks. You've stuck your money in there. If European stocks do well, you're going to do well. OK, right. OK, and that's pretty straightforward. It's then pretty you straightforward. Keep an eye you on don't that. have to be watching the markets every day. Now, again, one of the things I would uh, advocate for people is switch off financial news, for an example, if you <laughs> want to be a good investor. Because this is, again, it's like watching the shopping channel. Every five minutes are giving you ideas. You know, you buy a new set of st- steak knives. Oh, let's have the next guest. And all these are emotional triggers that are making you press buttons. Because the second most important thing is new investors. What's their second biggest mistake is over trading. Yes, right. Not sitting with an investment for a while, not having the patience to do it. And that's why I say um, older people are much better at investing because they've gone through this process before. They realise that it's actually harder. So they do a little bit of education and maybe they will take their time a little bit more and not jump in and out of things as... uh, Again, just let's just talk about COVID. Okay, COVID is a very, very good example. Did the market go up or down during COVID? Most people sitting at home going, geez, it must be very volatile with COVID. Well, I'll just give you some statistics about, now, you know, there's a little bit crass talking about deaths, but I think it gets the point across. So the Dow Jones uh, on the 7th of March 2020, when there was 100 deaths in the USA, was at 18,500. By the time there's 100,000 deaths, there was 25, it was at 25,000. By 300,000 deaths, it was at 29,000. And then by June 2021, with 600,000 deaths, the Dow Jones was nearly double at 35,000. 
COVID had nothing to do with what happened in the stock market. Now, people always are associating things that they see on TV with what's happening in the stock market. Mm. So what does... Because, I mean, people listening might go, well, that was because uh, the uh, shares in drug companies went up or whatever. So the financial industry will say, look, the stock markets did well despite COVID. But actually, the stock markets did not do well despite COVID. The stock markets did well because of COVID, due to COVID. And it's the response of the central banks to COVID because they provided a liquidity supernova into the financial system that drove up asset prices, drove up house prices, drove up stock prices. But again, it's just an idea of how to think about the market because most people, when COVID uh, dissipated, would say, geez, the stock market should do well now because COVID's dissipated. And what has the stock market done? Performed very poorly. Why? Because interest rates are going up, because the central banks have had to move some quantitative easing and put up interest rates. So again, it's a little bit of thinking a little bit more logically about the market whereas as I say most people are emotional so they make emotional decisions about choosing stocks you know do I like Elon Musk oh god I'll buy I'll put all my money into Tesla things like that which again if you don't have a plan and a strategy before you start you're really going to be in trouble Right and and, and it seems from what you're saying that, that there's you know if someone say is going to invest in ETFs that it's is it you know I'm going to you invest your money in that and it's a matter of years you're waiting. Yeah, you could absolutely leave it there. Now, some people, obviously, it depends on the amount of money you're talking about. Some with a long-term uh, portfolio would leave a, a, a couple of ETFs in and then might be buying some particular stocks. If you've got a little bit more knowledge, I'm just saying starting you off with ETFs just because mm. that's the most simple way. If you knew nothing about markets, it's a very cheap and simple way to get exposure to the markets over the long term. But you can buy ETFs in many things. You could buy ETFs in gold, for an example. You could buy ETFs in fin- uh, pharmaceutical companies. But you stick to the broad base, very cheap ETFs and you'll do okay. Right, okay. If the uh, market goes up, obviously. If, yes, well, over yeah. a period of years, the markets always go up. Ah, well, see, that's again a <clears> misnomer <throat> because, again, for the last 40 years or so, up to uh, 18 months ago, bond yields have been falling. Now, people at home go, what the hell has that got to do with stock markets? If you don't know what bond markets have to do with the stock markets, you need to stop now and get some education and don't put your 10 grand into investing because the bond markets dictate what happens in the stock market. So bond yields have started to go up now in the last 18 months. Interest rates, meaning, are going up. Mm. So last year, for example, 2022, you know, bonds had the worst year ever in the history of the markets. Okay, and stock markets did badly. So they drive all these things. So what I'm trying to say is in 2023, 2024, you would expect the markets to be more volatile. Valuations are very important. So valuations are very high. People at home saying, well, I don't know anything about valuations. Well, you better start learning about valuations before you put your money into the stock market because the financial industry is always going to tell you it's a good time to buy stocks. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're always going to tell... I mean, the financial industry always has a hook. For an example, like just over a year ago, there was running ads here on Newstalk all over the world. It was the same thing. Don't have your money in cash. Whatever you do, you're an awful idiot to have money in cash because inflation's coming. Mm. Now, that was a really good example because... You ask yourself, well, hold on, is inflation good for stocks? Because I've been in this game 30 odd years. And in my view, inflation can be very, very patchy for stocks. Stock markets have performed very poorly sometimes in inflationary environments. But yet the ads are saying you must get it. You're an idiot if you're not in the stock market. Whereas, again, these messages from the financial industry, one of the other uh, messages from the financial industry, which is hilarious, and you're going to get absolute grief from financial advisors now when I say this. But what, what they say is, no one knows what's going to happen in the market, OK? So you can't time the market, so always put your money in. Now, it's one of the best selling points from the financial, if you think about it, because they can sell financial products every day of the week, every day of the year. Because if they said, well, actually, there's better times to do it, they'd be, the guy wouldn't give them the money. 
So, so you know, the financial industry is, will always have a hook, always have a message for you to put your money in the markets. What I'm saying here is, if you invest in times when valuations are very high, now I'm not talking about being Gordon Gecko here, short-term trading, I'm talking about long-term investing. Yeah. If you're a long-term investor, when you uh, invest when valuations are very high, your likelihood, your probability of doing well is totally and utterly diminished. So for an example, valuations in the US markets are very, very high at the moment. Okay, and have been for the last couple of years. And that's why 2022 was such a poor year for, say, Nasdaq stocks were down 30%. You know, Tesla shares fell 70%. The S&P fell 20%. It wasn't because of the war in Ukraine. It was because valuations are very high and interest rates are going up and what was going on in the bond market. Now, most people, again, if you're a novice, would think, geez, it must be something to do with the war. Yeah. It's absolutely nothing to do with the war. The war has something to do with putting up inflation pressures that were already there. OK, but politicians love to say, God, it all went horribly wrong last year because of the war. That is not the case. Inflation was around 7% before the war. OK, so we've just had numbers out today showing inflation is 8%. Now, again, what I'm trying to get at here is if you want to be an investor, you're going to have to think a little bit more uh, sort of lateral thinking rather than watching the news and making your decisions based on that. Well, and knowing what actually influences the market rather than perhaps what even the news might tell you influences well, the, the market. Well, I mean, again, the, the important thing about that is the market is a forward pricing mechanism. OK, so it's not pricing in what's happening now. It's pricing in what the investors believe is going to happen in the future. I'll give you a very good example, which is last October, which is all over the world has been reported inflation is 9% in the USA. This is absolutely madness. The Fed funds rate, interest rates are going to go through the roof. Okay. In the marketplace, what happened to interest rates? Between last October and today, interest rates fell by one whole percentage. And that is because the markets perceived that inflation was peaking, the Federal Reserve will be changing and will have to cut interest rates by the end of 2023. So if again, if you didn't know anything about anything and you're watching the news, you would be making the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is once you understand the mechanics of what drives financial markets, it makes it much easier to be an investor and then it makes it much easier to make decisions. Yeah. OK, let me uh, read out a few questions <clears throat> for you. Uh, should we invest in green tech and move away from fossil fuel stocks? OK, well, this, <laughs> this is one, again, another brilliant, brilliant example of how not to start investing. OK, um, back in October 2020, all over the news was fossil fuel stocks are going to plummet. I want to go into ESG, all these people selling ESG funds. What has happened? The best performing sector in the market since October 2020 by miles is the oil stocks and the energy sector. Okay, if you start your investment journey by having half-assed ideas about what you're going to invest in. Oh, I think China's going to be big. Oh, I think electric cars are going to be big. Oh, my mate down the pub said, uh, Jesus, Guinness is going to be great, so I'm going to buy Tiago. This is not the way to start investing because... I would say to you, when you go to buy a house, what do you do? You don't go, oh, I like the, I like the colour of the door of the house. I think I'll buy it. No, you don't. You say, what's the feckin' price of the house? Mm. So you need to know what the valuations are, are of the stocks that you're buying. If you're buying very high valued stocks and you're coming into a very volatile period with interest rates going up, you're going to get your ass handed to you. Right. OK. But say, I mean, and there's been a few texts that were kind of similar to that, but about ethical investments. Is there such a thing as an ethical investment? Well, in my view, no. But if you wanted to look down that road, you would see, for an example, you would have done very, very poorly last year. But again, you start with a basket of investments. If, that, if that's what you want to do, absolutely fine. What you would do is have a basket of ETFs and you would look for some of the ETFs to be in that sector. Mm. But what I'm trying to say is you need to have a plan first. So you don't go with your 10 grand or your 50 grand and say, oh, well, I want to be 
be an ethical investor, so I'm going to stick it all in that fund. You need to have a balanced approach. So you start with the amount of money that you have first. You start with a plan. You say, how am I going to allocate it? And you allocate it the way you want to do it then. Right. I think my pension is invested. Is that a good thing? Should I care more about what it's invested in? Well, it depends on your age. You know, I can't answer questions particularly about pensions or whatever, but most pensions would be invested in balanced funds, which means you'd have a, a bit of bonds and a bit of stocks. Mm. And of course, balanced means they have millions of different ETFs. I mean, what I'm explaining about ETFs is exactly what your pension fund manager does for you, but he just charges an absolute fortune to do it. So he get, takes in your money. He puts in a lot of ETFs in a basket for you and hopes to God, while he's out in the golf course, that the market goes up. When the market goes down, <laughs> he says, look, it's not my fault. It's the war. It's to do with anything else. It's to do with the central banks and off he goes and he's happy because you're paying your fees all day, every day, every year to these guys and they're absolutely delighted and they couldn't care less if your, your investment goes up or down. I inherited 10k from an aunt last year. I'm in the lucky position I didn't need to spend it on something immediately. Can I invest it in something that means I'd get my return within 10 years? I don't like the idea of investing it till I retire. There's absolutely no guarantees that you'll get any returns from any investments. Yeah. So if, for an example, you need that 10 grand, that is, in my view, is not your investment pot. The first thing you have to do is separate your money out from your investment pot. Then when you've got an investment pot, you say, this is the amount of money that I am prepared to go to the investment markets, whatever type of investment is going to be, and I will take a risk with that. There's no such thing as riskless investing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but if you're looking over a 10-year period, you might, for an example, look at some, you know, dividend paying stocks, a basket of them, you know, sort of maybe five stocks and you would leave them for 10 years. There's no guarantee they would do well. But obviously, you know, you've got to, what I'm trying to get at is you've got to stick to the safer end of the marketplace and don't go half-assed into the highly speculative area. So basically what human nature is, human nature is just what, humans just want to go to the fun parts, right? Yeah. Now, investing is supposed to be boring. You know, but they want to go to the high risk, the high end, you know, the, the, this type of thing all the time. And that's really where you're going to have problems. But for someone like uh, this guy, yeah, I would I would maybe go into sort of a few ETFs and maybe a couple of stocks that you want to. But I would definitely get some education first to make sure you know yeah. what you're doing. Uh, my friend has invested in wine. Is that a worthwhile investment? Well, again, for most investors, no. You, you've got to stick with the mainstay investments. Now, Obviously, there's a place for art, wine, gold, all these. Uh, to, but for the majority of people listening to this program, you should be avoiding all those. Right. Should, gold as well. Gold is... No, not particularly good. Sorry. Gold you could invest in as a part of your portfolio. Again, you could do it through an ETF or something like that. Or gold mining stocks, for an example, as part of an ETF. I'm not saying... But lots of people, for an example... Uh, talk about buying physical gold. And again, I get into trouble when I say this as well, because, you know, that first of all costs you a fortune. Then you've got to go out and buy a gun. Then you've got to go out and buy beans because there's going to be, if, you, if you've if you got gold on your bed, what the hell are you going to do with it? You're going to yeah, have to sit yeah. there and protect it. So it's an absolute ridiculous way for most investors to approach the marketplace. You should approach the marketplace by buying sort of a gold ETF, physical gold ETF. Uh, can you ask, Paul, how to sell paper shares the easiest and cheapest way? Yeah, that's that's pretty easy. You've got to contact one of the uh, main stockbrokers in Dublin. Uh, they will do it for you and they will help you to do it. What you have to do is just convert them into um, digital shares. They will do it for you very, very easily. Then they'll charge you a fortune to sell them. But, um, but, basically, <laughs> but uh, you know, it is a very laborious uh, task, to be honest. But they will definitely help you to do it. So just go to one of the main stockbrokers. Right. OK, so it's it's 
kind of that from what I'm taking from that is that you know you may have invested money years ago but then years down the line when you want to kind of cash out that can that can take a while well sorry what they're talking about is old fashioned paper shares so they haven't yeah. been moved to digital yeah. so so you know it's a very very laborious story most people would have moved over to digital shares where the stockbrokers hold them on a digital platform so again it's just very costly it's paperwork involved so they will charge you extra but of course yeah you, what most brokers especially in Ireland will do they'll charge you a fee every year even when you don't do anything so, so just for, for having your money there, you know. So again, that's why I was saying to you, if you can get a little bit of education and approach the market a little bit differently and do it yourself, you're going to save yourself absolutely thousands. Now, if you haven't got the confidence, obviously, to do it yourself, mm. then you have to approach some of the stockbrokers and maybe get an advisory account or even discretionary, you know, which is obviously, as I said, they will look after your money in some sort of a fund. Yeah. But how do you, when, you, when you, you're shopping, you know nothing about it, you're shopping around for a stockbroker, how do you know? Are there any signs, well, any tells well, of well, how again, you could I, trust I would them? I go for the cheapest, biggest ones in the world. Yeah. Like literally, you know, as I say, the one bigger American firm has just opened here. The fees are absolutely brilliant for, for start off investors. Right. So, so you could easily just start there. It's not going to cost you much. And then you put in your money and then hopefully before you start pressing buttons or picking a share or whatever, maybe you get yourself a little bit of education. And one thing I will say is you've got to expect the next couple of years to be very, very volatile. There's a lot of people who have only been investing since maybe after 2008, mm. okay? Or, you know, maybe even later than that. And they have never been investing in a different environment than we're in. And the environment is changing completely now. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, again, you've got to stop and say, don't press any buttons till I know what Paul's talking about. Right, okay. I, I was, yeah, uh, I'm surprised the question about this didn't come in sooner. What about crypto? Will we see it coming back in the next year or two? Again, you know, this crypto is not for serious investors. If you want to trade in crypto, you must separate your money from your investment pile to your speculative pile. If you want to have a bit of speculative, uh, you know, bet on the horses, you might as well go to a casino or bet on, on crypto. For mm. me, it's not serious investing. OK, it's not long term investing. Now, that you know, a lot of people get annoyed by that, especially young people, because they're all looking at their phone. And oh, just, yeah. They've lost yeah. 70, 80 yeah. percent on their crypto. You know, and <laughs> what I'm suggesting is. You have to have a different mindset if you're trading crypto. That is short-term speculation. Humans are rubbish at short-term speculation. And you are likely to lose an awful lot of money, even when crypto goes up or goes down. So that is speculation. And again, for me, most people should be avoiding that short-term. It's nothing against crypto itself. It's short-term speculation. Again, a good example would be, give me the fundamentals of crypto. And everyone goes, no, I don't know anything about the fundamentals. It just goes up and down in price. And when it goes up, I hope to sell it. That's mm. basically what they're thinking about. That is not the same as share investing. OK, where you're investing in a company that pays dividends, that is going to perform well and you can analyse. You can't analyse crypto. You can just have a guess. So, yeah. you know, in my view, most people should be avoiding that type of investing. Yeah. And uh, finally, uh, is it a good time to buy a house to hold on to long term and get some use out of as a holiday home or should I wait? Well, again, buying, buying a house is a very, very emotional decision. If you're buying a house for yourself and your family, you should not be worried about the markets going up or down. You should just worry about it. Can you afford the house? and your yeah. payments. Okay, if you buy an investment as a house as an investment property, that's a different uh, cattle of fish uh, totally. And I would say in general, house prices are starting to come down in the USA. They're starting to come down all over Europe. Ireland, we know, has uh, pre- peculiar problems in the yeah. housing market. So I wouldn't want to give clear advice. But if you are an investor, 
you know, there's lots of other opportunities than uh, investing in housing at the moment. And especially, for an example, lots of people are invested in REITs, meaning, you know, the, the property sector, commercial sector. I would say that's a really problematic place to be invested in at the moment. But what are REITs? REITs are, you know, they're floated on the Irish Stock Exchange, which are baskets of uh, property investments that you ah, can buy right. as a okay. stock share. But if it's for just for you, then don't worry about what the market's doing or whether it's going to go up or down. Just worry about your life and worry about and buy a house if you can and it's the right time for you. Paul, thanks a million for coming into us today. That was Paul Somerville there from Somerville Advisory Markets. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.